Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we review the Sabbath School lesson asking the question, why witness for Sabbath July 4th? The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, so why witness? Well, I think uh, Mark Finley gives us a great reason here in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, New King James Version, our memory text for today. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, you know, this is what it's all about, is uh, connecting uh, with Jesus and sharing that relationship uh, that we have. We each have the privilege to have with Christ, with those around us. You know, as I was just reading that, I think that you can encapsulate the entire uh, next 13 weeks with that memory text, that this is going to drive us and push us to realize the absolute necessity that um, God wants all men to be saved and for them to come to the knowledge of truth. And that includes you and I, and that includes all the listeners, right? So just because we're in the Seventh-day Adventist church doesn't mean we have full knowledge and full truth yet. Uh, There's more things that God is trying to teach us, but also trying to teach us how to teach others. Yeah, you know, I had this kind of misconception when I was growing up that I it's I don't know why, but somehow I had this feeling that I just was never good enough. And so uh, striving for perfection so I could somehow make myself better. And uh, what I had to come to realize is that Jesus wasn't there trying to keep me out of heaven, that he was actually trying to get me into heaven. I have a loving Savior that um, he wants each one of us to be in heaven with him. Uh, for all eternity. Amen. Amen. And I, I long for the day that that's every Christian's desire, every Christian's desire to see as many people as possible in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that actually gives us an opportunity to look at the opportunity of Sunday's lesson, which is providing opportunities for salvation. Uh, now, I'm kind of doing this a little bit backwards because there's a quote here at the end that really struck me as I was studying this, which is, we do not witness to give people their only chance to be saved. We witness to give them their best chance. And that's the thing. God continues to give us chance after chance after chance. And and so now, uh, Michael, I'm going to have you read for us James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. And while you're doing that, I'm going to be looking at Luke 19, verse 10. And we're going to compare and see how these two combine to make a powerful statement. Uh, Luke 19, 10, uh, and this is the New King James Version, says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. All right, and I've got uh, James 5, 19 and 20, the New Living Translation. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Oh, so seek and save the lost, right? But then also bringing back someone who might have been saved, but was lost in bringing them back. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's something that's fundamentally different about the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I have a fun discussing that amongst other denominations in our Mm -hmm. Christian beliefs class, which is we don't believe once saved, always saved. Yeah, We believe that you can be saved in this moment, but 
when you lose connection with Christ, when you lose sight of him, mm-hmm. you can actually be lost once again. And so bringing brothers and sisters back into the fold by by helping them to surrender their lives to Christ. I, I, I love the, the text, 1 John 5, uh, whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. That's verse 12 there. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to do. Have the son. If you have the son, you, you're saved. His blood covers all. Reminds me of the commercial, got milk, except for maybe we could say, got Jesus. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're saved, though. Uh, yeah. And I know a lot of people actually try to put other stipulations on there. And yes, there's some there's some responsibility that comes along with having Jesus. But the thing is, the greatest teacher of all, which is the word of God and also Christ himself, will actually utilize us to teach one another. And so it's important to not put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, me keeping the commandments does not give me the does not give me Jesus. Jesus gives me the power to keep the, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and that's an important distinction a lot of people need to make. And I think to really understanding the essence of Adventism, um, I think there's this misnomer that we keep the commandments in order to be saved. And that's just not true. It's like, you know, my wife, um, I do all those things because... Uh, I have to do that, but because I, I, I that relationship, I want to do it, and it just flows forth naturally when there's that falling in love with Jesus. You know, hey, man. You know, you know. I just, I just don't want to sleep on the couch, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, in 13 years, we ha- I haven't slept on the couch, but it's because I do those things, right? But I do yeah. those things because I love her. Absolutely. Uh, and Same so here. You're, you're you're exactly right, Michael. Love. Mm has to come at the forefront of why we do what we do. Yeah. You know, and that brings us, I think, to Monday's lesson about making Jesus glad. You know, uh, the reason why we do all these different things is, and you know, I, I've heard some people, you know, I have to do this or else I'm not going to be saved if I don't witness enough or that kind of thing. And, and really, again, that's that lost perspective of what it's really all about it's is true. being relational. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke 15. Mm-hmm talks about the story of the prodigal son, but also the lost coin, the lost sheep. And it, it just shows everything in the story because mm-hmm. there's some people saying, Jesus, why are you hanging out with these sinners and, and these uh, tax collectors, these publicans, all these people? And Jesus shares that with them, when one who is lost is found, all of heaven shuts down and rejoices. This is how we make Jesus glad. He's happy for you to be there. He's happy that we have a seat at the table, the welcome table. But he is even more overjoyed when that table is fulfilled to to such capacity Mm -hmm. that as many people as possible were saved. You know, I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, too. But one of my absolute favorite texts in the Bible is what's referred to in this this lesson here today. uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Please read it. This time I'm reading from the, the NIV. Says the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So I just love that image of imagining, picturing Jesus so excited about someone who's made a decision, about my own personal commitment, you know, that that he's up there in heaven just overflowing with joy in, in song. Yes. And you know, this is. This is talking about more than, uh, if you will, salvation. This is talking about the deepening of our relationship with Jesus. Uh, Jesus likes it when, yeah, when you're on the surface and you're just beginning. But when you start maturing in Jesus Christ, he delights in that. He sings over you with gladness, with joy. And that's what that's what we yearn. That's what we need to yearn to see in the church as well. Yeah. By the way, I couldn't help but thinking of as we're going through this lesson, Norma Youngberg's uh, classic mission storybook. If you've read this one to your kids, uh, Buster, I just read this one to David 
uh, my son this this last week. It's titled Miracle of the Song, but how important song is. And we finished off last quarter talking about memorizing scripture and putting scripture to song and that sort of thing. Uh, how important singing is to the Christian experience. And I was reminded of this uh, with this mission book because what converted those people was the missionary goes and teaches them how to sing and they hear the songs and the Bible promises and they think of Jesus in heaven who, and here are these uh, tribes, some have been basically cannibalistic. I mean, just really pretty extreme from my perspective. And yet... Um, it's hearing the voice of Jesus through song. And so just remembering how important song is in our Christian experience and sharing our faith through song. Jesus is singing in heaven, and we have the opportunity to share the song of Jesus with others. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, that, that actually uh, leads us also to Tuesday's lesson, which is growing by, by giving. Giving the gift of song. But mm. uh, here, let's talk about a little bit uh, difference in giving. Uh, Michael, would you read for us Luke six thirty eight? I'm going to read right now in our hearing, uh, John seven thirty seven through thirty eight. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water." And Luke six thirty eight, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Uh, so it, it asks this question. It says, in contrast to the Desi experience, when believers receive the refreshing streams of living water from Christ, what is the natural result? You know, I, I, as I was looking at this, you realize something that happens <clears throat> The freshness that comes from a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there. It's, it's the same thing as, you know, if you if you take me out to a river and it's bubbling, the water that's running over bubbling uh, uh, rocks, I would, I would actually take a chance and drink that water. But you take me to some of these lakes where the scum is floating on top and yeah. you see all the algae and you say, yeah. hey, go ahead, Buster, and drink. I'm not touching that. Well, you know, it's the same thing in our Christian walk. If yeah. you're if you're stagnant, you're not actually connected to Christ. You have a lot of soap scum or a lot of algae scum that's just floating up top. Yeah. You want that living water, which is that fresh experience with Jesus Christ, because that's what the world is looking for. You know, it's interesting. I, I was reading our lesson quotes Ellen White several times, but I'm reading through uh, a section in the testimonies for the church, and she addresses this issue uh, of of living by giving and. What basically the idea she has is that um, when you start keeping it to yourself, um, you end up becoming spiritually stagnant. How Satan likes to come and distract us through uh, becoming obsessed about uh, wealth and accumulation and all the things of this world. And Ellen White makes the point how much better it would be to just let go of some of that and make sure that out of a relationship with Jesus, we share forth that for eternal treasures um, and to be able to give other people the opportunity. You know, the wealth, we're not going to take that uh, with us to heaven. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, those relationships and inviting other people to be saved, those other souls, shall we say, that, that that's heavenly treasure that um, w- no one can take away. Yeah, absolutely no one can take away. You know, as science and uh, religion come together, mm-hmm. I belong to a group on Facebook that talks about science and religion coming together. 
you know, uh, this week I was even thinking about the compound of water, mm-hmm. which is H2O. Mm-hmm. That will, and, and just that little small molecule, if you just have a droplet of, of that molecule, it does nothing. But compound it together, mm-hmm. several of those molecules together, yeah. it makes a powerful force. And same thing in Christianity, yeah. which is me by myself connected with Jesus. Okay, yeah, that's, that's powerful. That's good. But when that is compounded with others who are connected with Jesus, the flow and the power that comes from that is, mm-hmm. is of the utmost importance. How dare I shut that in and keep it for myself? And not just the, the wealth and the accumulation, but uh, but the wealth of knowledge that we mm-hmm. have. True. Yeah. That's what God has called us to share. And so thank you, Michael, for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess we keep moving along here. Uh, Wednesday's lesson talks about faithfulness to Christ's command. Amen. And uh, obviously we're thinking of the Great Commission, but we're thinking of several other texts as well. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter um, 2, uh, verses uh, 3 and 4. Do you have that, Buster? Yes, I do. I have it right here. It says, uh, For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. This was our, our memory text earlier. And very similar is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Okay, I've got that NIV. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Amen. So it asks this question, what do these passages tell us about the heart of God? And what is his priority? Yeah, great question, right? So I think a big part of that is, is God yearns from the deepest part of divinity to have each and every one of us be saved. You know, this, this is a hard part because um, as human beings, we oftentimes think of the temporal. And right mm-hmm. now, in the midst of COVID-19, I've, we've had some students, mm-hmm. uh, I have a student right now whose grandmother's facing uh, uh, death. And with COVID-19, and uh, we saw several other people that have placed, hey, we've had church members, we have loved ones that are dying from this. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one student in particular saying, I don't see God helping, so therefore, what what is he doing? And we have to realize the definition of saved doesn't mean, uh, you know, a lot, of time, a lot of times we want to see the hand of God move right here, right now, in the way we want to. Instantly, right? But I think of the story of John 5. God is not just concerned about the temporal. Now, he is concerned about the temporal. He's more concerned about the eternal. It seems to me, if I'm hearing you right, Buster, that a common misconception of God is that God is some kind of divine, heavenly uh, vending machine. Yes, he's not a genie. You can't rub (laughs) the lamp and get three wishes and say, one of my wishes is that I never die. Right? Actually... You will get a chance to never die eternally. But anyways, that's another story. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he is not a vending machine. He's not something that mm. you can... We don't control God. Yeah. We don't control the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, therefore, we have to surrender to, to divine, to divinity, not to not try to wield it. Sounds like God, you know, in his mercy. I mean, there are examples in the Bible and throughout Christian history of people that have been healed. And there's there's moments where God will miraculously intervene, but that's not necessarily always the norm. It's not 
uh, just because I pray God will do and fix whatever problem I have. And uh, and I think that's a, a important distinction is, is we can come humbly praying and putting our petitions before God. And sometimes he will if, if it's in, you know, that's why I always pray if it's your will, Lord, you know, uh, please make it clear uh, rather than just simply me praying for what my wants are. Um, and, and I think there's also a maturing aspect. We talked about yes, this last quarter. Is. As we mature, we become less interested in ourselves and more interested in the needs of others around us. And I think that's part of what becoming a Christian is, you know, as I look at my children, you know, when they were just babies, they were nursing and, you know, changed their diaper. There's nothing they could do. Um, I just, they had to have love lavished on them. But as they've gotten older, they take more responsibility. But really that turning point is, you know, I start to see, oh, yeah, where they're asking, say, daddy, are you okay? Or mommy, are, are, are you okay? When something happens, you start seeing that empathy and consideration for others. And I think that's what these passages are really getting at is as we grow and mature as Christians, we become concerned about the welfare yes. of those who are around us. Yeah, and, and trading our temporal mindset for an eternal mindset. Love Turning it. our temporal values into eternal values, mm-hmm. which is I can't take my bank account with me when I, when I pass away or when Christ comes back. So therefore... It, it needs to be used as a tool to help others. My knowledge that I have is not to put myself above others, but to utilize to help others. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all things that, that are eternal value and not just temporal. Well, I guess we moving right on, um, we have a couple more passages uh, here as we're wrapping up the week. Acts 13, uh, 47, and then Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. Um, Buster, you want to grab one of those? Oh, Absolutely. And I will grab, how about, um, I'll grab Isaiah 49, verse 6. Okay. And I will grab Acts 13, 47. And while you're looking that up, the question here is, to whom do, do these passages initially apply to, and how does the Apostle Paul use them? Okay, it says, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation, uh, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And Isaiah 49, 6, which is the passage he's quoting from, mm-hmm. uh, says, hey, uh, uh, verse 6, he says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Mm, light. <laughs> I like that. You know, I like to have light around, right? You know, um, I, I don't like to live in darkness. Um, I remember a fun story in college with a couple of my, my roommate and a few friends that we went caving. And as a kind of a prank, they uh, stole my flashlight, <laughs> <laughs> turned out the light. And there I was groping around in the darkness trying to find my way. I couldn't see absolutely just nothing at all. And uh, it's a scary experience when you start to take light away. And then all you need is just one little match, one little small light, as insignificant as it is, was just enough to illuminate the room so I could start seeing what was around me. Um, And it's amazing. We may think that our light is really, really small and pales and it's very insignificant. But yet, I think the Apostle Paul is saying that light is that even that little bit of light is enough sometimes for someone to catch sight of who Jesus is. You know, it's so important for us to realize we are not the source of light, though. That's true. We are flashlights. We're almost like reflectors, right? Exactly. We're reflectors. We reflect uh, just like the moon. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give off its own light. It reflects the sun's light. We're called to reflect the sunlight as well. 
yeah. in a different way. S O N, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now it's it's also important to, to realize that Paul is saying we are called to be the light to the Gentiles, but what happens when the Gentiles are actually being a light to the church? Ooh. In other words, just because we are in the church does not mean we are better. Yeah. If we're not living out the principles that God has given us, yeah. we're called to, to be a step ahead of them every mm-hmm. step of the way because of the love that we have for one another and the love we have for God. You know, I want our listeners to really think about this and reflect about this because I think this is significant. And if one of the great lessons of COVID-19 this year for me yeah. has been just basically that the church is not a building. No. If you haven't connected with people and your church has done absolutely nothing for the last several months just because churches were closed as part of the pandemic, something's wrong with your church. I'm sorry. Uh, that this Because the church is not about a building. A church is about, like you said, reflecting Christ's light his as the son of heaven uh, in, to those around us. And if there hasn't been a better opportunity when people are asking questions, saying, I need hope in my life, now is that time. Um, so we, we really need to become, uh, I think, shifting gears away from church as being an act of uh, going to church and sitting in a pew on on Sabbath morning to uh, its engagement with everyone around us sharing the light of of God's love and um, I I, I want to push just a little bit more because I think um, and I would encourage uh, those who are listening you know if you're a leader in your local church make sure that your board meetings that you have and if you're not doing this talk to your pastors you know yes, this might warm yes, their yes, hearts yes. uh, but talk to them. Uh, instead of obsessing over little <coughs> details, and it, by the way, it's important to discuss those details, how a church operates, all the little minutiae. Very important. But sometimes we lose sight of the really important stuff and make sure, have a little bit of time in every single church board meeting or business meeting where you're focused on how to share God's love and being outward focused instead of inward focused. Amen. You know what? I, I'll, I'll summarize it in, in this. We're finding out that church is not about church service. It's about service as a church. Mm-hmm. And it's not about 11 o'clock on Saturday or Sunday morning, whatever day you go, right? Yeah. It's about the rest of the days of the week. What are you doing as a church to make an impact on the community, to make an impact on one another? Yeah. You know, and that's where really this lesson wraps up uh, at the end of Thursday, Second Corinthians chapter five, and the the key verse there is where it talks about the love of Christ constrains us. And, Amen. Um, I I like this. Uh, there's this explanation here because I had this misconception for a long time. I thought constrain means restrain <laughs> <laughs> all the things you can't do because. Oh, you know, can't do this and can't do that because I'm a Christian now. And what I start realizing is constrain does not mean restrain. It means to com- to propel, to push forward, uh, to urge, all of those yeah. kinds of things. And so, and again, that's that's what I find um, absolutely life-changing is, is through an encounter with Jesus Christ is as a result of that, um, I feel it's not I have to go witness. It's I, I can't help but witness. Yeah, and the... The very sole thing that propel, that propels us is that love. Mm-hmm. It's the love of God mm-hmm. that's actually now reciprocated in us. And now it's reciprocated to one another. And then it's reciprocated to Gentiles. Reciproc- and, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a chain reaction that we're praying continues and continues and continues and goes down to the, to the deepest depths of the earth and rises all the way up back up to heaven. 
Well, I hope this challenges our listeners to really think about um, as we begin a new quarter. I mean, we're just going to be embarking on a journey. I'm really excited about the quarter with with Mark Finley, who is the quarterly author for this this you know one of the great evangelists uh, within Adventism. And uh, I look forward to, to more lessons as we're going to be continuing to reflect upon how we share uh, Jesus. Yeah, and I, I like to leave the listeners with this challenge. Choose, pray about it, and, and ask the Holy Spirit, one person whom you didn't think about witnessing to this week, ask God for an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And actively look for that person and share with them something that you know about the love of God. And see what happens. Just see what happens. Push see yourself. what happens. I love it. Well, I think with that, we'll put a wrap for this week. Uh, this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.